Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Hey, Heather. Hey, Rose. How are you doing today? I am great. I'm glad to be here in the closet. But glad to be here in the Studio WIC back again. Studio WIC. That's right. It's I'm going to do a radio jingle. There you go. We need a jingle. We need to get Lindsay on I'm going to get Lindsay to do that because <laughs> I don't want to do that. So I thought we'd start off today talking about my newsletter. Talk about shameless plug. Here we go. I have a newsletter on my website. It's called This Is My Story, This Is My Song. And if you are listening and you've not been to my website, it's rosebooth.net. There's a tab called Newsletter. You can go to that tab or at the bottom of any page of my website and sign up for the newsletter. The newsletter includes content that I've written. It includes an update on where I am in the journey to publishing my book, mm-hmm. Dancing in the Valley. I also include the latest podcast in there so that if you missed it, you, you'll be able to, to listen to it. And I'm really thinking about the next I do it monthly, so it's a monthly newsletter. I'm thinking about my next newsletter in September having a video update that's just for newsletter subscribers. So You don't want to miss that. Don't want to miss that. So sign up, and I promise it only comes out once a month. I do not sell your name, and it comes out around the 20th of every month. Try to make it on the 20th, but that's usually what I try to do. I also wanted to point out that we do have one review... On our podcast. One lone review. One lone review. Five stars. And the comment (laughs) was, these ladies are amazing. A light and enjoyable take on life. I really enjoyed the first podcast and look forward to listening to bi-weekly. I'm a fan. That's our one lonely review, but it's a really good one. Well, people can give us reviews, good or bad, hopefully good, but if you give us reviews, that bumps up, I think, the frequency that people can find our podcast. Yes, so we would love for you all to rate and review our podcast. We always ask for that at the end of the episode, but we really would love it if you all would do that. That helps us so much, and it brings our podcast in front of a lot more people that uh, hopefully would could hear and enjoy what we're doing mm-hmm. and you know what it doesn't cost you anything to listen and it doesn't cost you anything to leave us a review so we would love that and as always you can go to ask me anything on the rosebooth.net site to submit ideas for future episodes or um, questions you might have but we're trying to improve and have more reviews instead of our one lonely review And that leads us to our topic today on loneliness. So Heather, why don't you explain why we chose that topic? All right. I originally thought of this topic because I was thinking about what could I share. We were talking about this podcast and the possibility of doing this podcast. And we were talking through some topics. And I was thinking about what could I share from the perspective of being a single person. And loneliness is something that a lot of unmarried people deal with. It's just part of life if you're living, literally living alone and longing for a family or longing for a spouse. But as I thought more about it and as you and I talked more about it, Mm -hmm. it became clear that we should probably address loneliness from our larger perspective because really, whether you're single or married, you're going to get lonely at one time or another. Whatever stage of life you're in, you're going to experience that at some point. So for some, maybe that 
loneliness will last longer than others and it may vary on how severe that loneliness is but at some point you're going to you're going to experience it whether you're single or married and before we jump into that topic i want to acknowledge that this topic we're going to discuss today is very broad and it can be very nuanced and we know that there's many vast tomes written about loneliness and depression and that kind of thing. And I don't think you and I can claim to be professional experts on that at all. No. Mm-hmm. You might be moving that direction with your counseling training. Mm-hmm. But I, I know that there's a lot of people who are more knowledgeable in this topic in terms of from a clinical standpoint, I think, and like dealing with the deeper issues there. And then even from a theological perspective, um, but we are going to talk about it just from our own perspective and what we understand scripture to say about it. So for the sake of time and for the sake of knowing that we can't address every aspect of loneliness, we're going to approach it by addressing a few things, just a, a few things. First of all, what is loneliness? Secondly, what do you do if you're lonely and you're single or lonely and you live alone? And with nobody there beside your plants or your cat or your your dog or whatever, or maybe you have no other living creatures in your <laughs> home. It's just you and your dust mites or whatever. <laughs> or what do you do if you're lonely and you have a family? What do you do if you're lonely and you have a spouse? That kind of question, because like I said, it doesn't matter if you've got people around you or not, you're going to experience that. And then finally, what do you do when you're lonely and completely cut off from people? Um, Big example, big elephant in the room with that is the pandemic. Uh, From 2020 on, um, especially early days of the pandemic, we all experienced that point where we were completely cut off from each other. And that's not just the pandemic. That's also if you're homebound. So, Rose, you experienced that a little bit with Mm -hmm. your condition, like Mm -hmm. dealing with the things you've dealt with over the last couple of years. So how do we deal with that? From our experience, we've realized that the key to combating loneliness for the majority of people is to look outside yourself and focus on others rather than focusing on your own misery, basically. <laughs> and there are several caveats there that we have to acknowledge. So so say you're grieving over a spouse or grieving over a good friend you've lost. You're going to experience that loneliness. And we want to say up front that loneliness in itself is not a sin. And so if you're feeling lonely, we don't want to sound like we are condemning you for that, especially if you're grieving. But it's very easy to get into a point after a period of time where you are continually focusing inward and to get to a very unhealthy point. And it can become very sinful. And so that brought us to our one single thought for today. So just wrapping that all together into a little bow. The one single thought for today can be summed up as no more navel gazing. No more navel gazing is our one single thought. So Rose, let's start by defining loneliness and what that is. So if we were to look into the dictionary and find out, well, what is really loneliness? How do we define it? There's a couple of definitions that I think really sum it up, especially the way we're going to look at it today. The first one is sadness because one has no friends or company, which just reading that is makes That's me sad. sad. The second definition is the, the quality of being unfrequented and remote or aka isolation, which I think Heather hit upon when we start to talk about how things were during the early days of the pandemic. And that's probably talking about like a lonely location, like a desert. Or desert lonely. island. Mm-hmm. So we want to explain one caveat, which is the difference between being alone and being lonely. 
So being alone is is a state. It, mm -hmm. You're a person and you're alone. But you could be alone and not be lonely at all. Being lonely is really a, a state of your circumstances, a result of your circumstances. And the circumstances could be because you're alone or maybe you're not mm -hmm. alone. But loneliness is more of a state of mind, a state of being, whereas being alone is an actual physical state. Yeah. So we're going to look at loneliness from various perspectives, as Heather mentioned earlier. So we're going to start with those who live alone, those who are single. So Heather, what are some of the ways that those who live alone can combat loneliness? So if you live alone, it's really important that you're able to get outside. <laughs> and I, I think the pandemic threw a big wrench in that for a lot of people. I mean, I know before, and you can even say this before you had your illness, mm -hmm. you and I both, our lives were pretty busy. I mean, I don't yes. think I was ever home. I wasn't home much. Yeah. No. And I, that really changed once the pandemic got started and we were all sequestered into our home. It was, it just totally derailed that for everyone, people mm -hmm. that were normally very active and very social. And so I think it's very important if you live alone that you are not becoming a hermit. And especially if you're introverted like me, it's very easy to kind of hold yourself into your, your routine, into your house and not leave, mm -hmm. especially, and especially if you have pets or you have, yes. if you're a single mom and you've got kids, mm -hmm. but it's real easy to just get into your rut of, I'm, I'm just going to stick to myself and do what I got to do. And especially if you have a very busy job and you just want to come home late at night and fall down and watch TV and go to bed every night, which that's completely understandable, <laughs> which I've done exactly. that many times. Yes. But it's very important if you are living alone and you're feeling lonely that you are not giving in to becoming more drawn into yourself. That's one reason why church involvement, if you're a Christian, is so important because you need support and you need that experience of being around other people, being around other Christians, other families, and friends to have that social interaction. Um, well, and we were created for community. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I ever realized that as much as I did during the early stages of the pandemic. Yeah. When I was so isolated. And I know we reference a lot about my last two years or my health journey. If you've not listened and you don't know, you can listen to episode one to get a summary of what I've been through mm -hmm. um, in my journey of health issues since 2019. And, uh, you know, scripture teaches us, I mean, God created Adam and Eve. He created Adam so he wouldn't be alone. And God created us so he would have communion with us. So we're not meant to live in isolation. We're not meant to live on an island. Mm -hmm. And I think if we didn't believe that, it became a lot clearer during the yeah. pandemic. And I think another way, especially if you're single, not just having that social interaction and having that connection with people just in terms of having a person around, but finding ways if you're feeling lonely to look for people who are also feeling lonely and investing in them. My close friends know that I am involved with Honor Flight, which I would like to have a podcast just on Honor Flight some yeah. point. We can add that to our rotation. But Honor Flight's given me a really cool opportunity to get involved in something that benefits the community outside of church. And I was on a trip. And if you want to look at this, a shameless plug, I will put it on here so you can go look it up. It's honor, uh, honorflightbluegrass.org. 
And I'll leave a link in the show notes. Yeah. So if you want to look us up, so I won't go into details of what it is, you can go <laughs> figure that out. But I was on the trip a couple of years ago and it was a long, it's a long story, but essentially I was not supposed to go on the flight as a volunteer, but I was put on the plane at the last minute. And it was one of those, I was a standby volunteer. They had an extra space and they put me on the trip. And so I went as kind of like a, a helper. I helped with wheelchairs and that kind of thing. Well, I, got, I was the last person to board the plane because I was helping everybody. You know, I was standing back to make sure there's no issues with people getting on, going down the jetway and everything. And I get on the plane. There are no open seats except for a couple. And the way Honor Flight works, every veteran that goes gets paired with a guardian. So especially if they're very elderly, they have someone with them to watch out for and make sure they're they're doing okay and to push their wheelchair and everything. And so that one trip, and they, we haven't done it since, and they didn't do it before, they separated the veterans and the guardians sitting at the front of the plane because they had a bunch of them in wheelchairs, a bunch of the veterans were in wheelchairs. And so the guardians were sent to the back, and so they were split up from their people. And I ended up sitting next to this one World War II veteran. He was uh, 94 at the time. And I sat by him and we just started chatting. And he's like, yeah, I'm just a lonely old man. And I played bluegrass music. I, I played in a band. And I was like, oh, really? That's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I don't do much. I, you know, play music with my friends sometimes, but that's about it. And I said, well, I can kind of play ukulele. I mean, like, I think I knew three chords at the time. I said, well, I can come play with you. You know, like, I'll come play music with you. And, and so I took my friend Lindsay with me the first time we went and we went to visit him. But anyway, over a few months, I started going over there to visit him more frequently. So that went into the pandemic. So there was a couple of months where, you know, everybody stayed away from everybody. But as things slowly began to open up again, probably around that summer, I started going over there every week to visit him. And so that became a weekly thing for him to have me come over and just play music with him. And I still go over there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some days we just chit chat and some days we play for a good hour. Um, he's getting a little bit older now. He's at 97. And so he's slowing down, but he still plays music. He still knows all those old country songs that no one knows except people who listen to that kind of music. <laughs> That's just one way that allowed me, even through the pandemic, which was this horrible time of isolation for a lot of people, to get outside of myself and invest in one lonely person. Mm -hmm. And I think things like that, if you can just look around you and pray about it, pray that God would lead you to someone who's hurting or someone who's lonely, you can, they're, they're probably right underneath your, mm -hmm. right in front of you, right near your nose. So, Did you ever dream, Heather, that when you volunteered for Honor Flight, that it would have that kind of impact on your life like it has? No, no, not at all. And that, that one day that I was not supposed to be on that plane, mm -hmm. that was, I was a volunteer, I was on standby, and it's, oh, that's just such a long story, but because that almost got left in Washington because I wasn't <laughs> on the manifest to come back. But I wasn't even supposed to be on that trip. And they put me on, I mean, literally at the last minute, mm. they were walking to TSA to go through to back to the gate. And the, the mission director, she's like, hey, do you want to ride with us? We're going to go. It's like, we have an extra space. Do you 
you want to go? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so I grabbed my stuff that I had planned just in case I did get thrown out the last minute. But I was, that was totally a providential. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that was the one trip where they split up the guardians and the veterans in that one section of the plane. And he had an open seat and he was the only one that had mm. an open seat. Wow. Um, and so that gave me an elderly friend. I never thought that, you know, this old man who's got an eighth grade education who, you know, I'm not sure where he is spiritually, but it's just pretty cool to be able to have that. Mm-hmm. Never thought that would have happened. Uh, and there's another layer to that whole living alone kind of loneliness is that, especially when you're single, is what to do when you're longing for a marriage partner and longing for a family, but clearly the Lord has not blessed you with that. And there's that whole level of loneliness there as a single person that you experience, and how do you handle that? And teaser, we're going to get into this more in our next episode, but just a quick rundown of some things to remember there is first remembering that you have a family in the body of Christ, that you've got brothers and sisters. If you're involved in a local church, you have a family right there in front of you. And Rose, you can attest to your body of Christ, the family of the, that you've been given through the body of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then also remembering that marriage isn't the be all end all. If you get married, as we're going to talk about in just a second, that doesn't mean your loneliness is going to go away. It's not going to yeah. fix everything for you. And then also remembering that your circumstances can change at any time. And so we, we both know of people who got married later in life who did not expect it at all. My great-grandmother, who was married and had my grandma and other, her siblings, her husband passed away. She got remarried in her 80s. Wow. It was a surprise to some people because <laughs> they didn't know they were going to get married. It just, they got married after church one Sunday. Oh, wow. And so that was a big surprise. But she was, yeah, she was in her 80s and they were happy as clams and you never know what the Lord's going to bring down your path. Mm-hmm. And the final thing you need to remember being single and being lonely is that's when you need to draw closer to Jesus and let him fill that void. Because if you get married, doesn't mean that void is going to be filled and it most likely will not be filled because Jesus is the only one that can fill that hole. Yes. So that leads us to our next point that even people who live in families and who are married have a spouse and kids that they're going to feel lonely too Mm -hmm. so what are some reasons that people who don't live alone people that have people in their homes people who are married what are some reasons they feel lonely so when we look at the marriages whether they're it's just a married couple or whether it's a married couple with children oftentimes they can feel lonely let's let's talk about first people who don't have children they're they're married well if they're both working and involved in their job and in their career a lot of times they can feel lonely because they they don't make time for each other they're busy excelling in their careers they're busy even maybe doing good things they might both be real involved in their local church or whatever but they have put their marriage kind of on the back burner. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times they can feel lonely because they don't have that relationship with their spouse like they, they should. The other thing is that if there's a lot of children in the picture, well, that alone is gets, can be exhausting. It mm-hmm. can be exhausting yeah. for the mom. It can be exhausting for the dad. You've got kids who are going to school, having extracurricular activities. They're in different and varying sports. And it just 
it's wearing at times. And mm-hmm. especially for moms, and I say this just because I'm a woman, and so I probably know more moms' perspectives mm-hmm. than dads. Especially if they're stay-at-home moms, it's it's rough because they don't have, maybe don't have opportunities for adult conversations. And mm-hmm. if they're a stay-at-home mom, that typically means that their husband is probably working, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so his life is busy and he's trying to be a good dad. He's trying to be a good husband. And so all of those things can lead to their feeling of loneliness. I think another reason, especially for women, I don't think this is as, is applicable to men, is the comparisons that they make from social media. Mm. So I've talked to some young moms and I think they're very impacted by what they see on social media. And they begin to question, am I really good enough? Am I a good enough mom? You know, all the way down to if you don't breastfeed, you're a bad mom. Mm-hmm. I've even had heard about those circles of people who just believe, well, breastfeeding is the only way. And for, for moms who maybe can't for some physical reason or for whatever reason, it doesn't make them a bad mom. But social media post of how kitchens looking perfectly spotless and playrooms with all the toys put away or a picture of the kids looking perfect and and all in their places can really make some moms feel like I'm failing as a mom and that's not true because we all know that Instagram and social media sort of puts a picture of of life that is really not always accurate Mm -hmm. it looks good for the quote-unquote camera but it's not really an accurate picture of what their day-to-day life is so when we think about that what are what are the dangers of those that are married Heather when they feel loneliness what what are some of the dangers that can arise from this situation well the impact of loneliness can cause some challenges as you mentioned in marriage and parenting and that can cause people to stray to affairs, to get involved in inappropriate relationships, whether they're physical or emotional affairs. It's very, you're, you're opening up the door for that if you are so lonely that you have allowed yourself to wallow in it and you're not seeking help or actively seeking to mend that, especially if there's something in your marriage that you can work on together you're opening the door for, for inappropriate relationships. It could also be that they're just, it could be that they're just pulling away to indulge in more me time, mm-hmm. spending time alone and pulling away from their families. And so it, from the extreme to I'm cheating on my spouse to I'm just going to pull away because my spouse doesn't understand me. I'm just going to go hang out with my friends or whatever that might be. It's very easy to get into an unhealthy view of your relationship when you are indulging in those lonely feelings. And just because they feel they don't have anything in common with their spouse or maybe their spouse isn't a believer or maybe they just grew apart or there's abuse there, there's a lot of reasons why loneliness can happen. And if it's not addressed, then that impact can be devastating if it's left to fester there. So what are some ways that married people can combat loneliness, Rose? I think that one of the ways, well, let's just talk about the couple, you know, it's my first example, which is just a married couple with no children. 
but this is even as important for those with. It's just really be intentional to have date nights. And when I say date nights, I'm not talking about expensive restaurants and the things that are going to cost a lot of money. I'm talking about just being intentional to spend time together after the kids go to bed. If you have to sit down and have a time of intentional mm-hmm. communication time. There's a couple that I know that every Monday night they call it their creative night. And so they do something creative. Mm-hmm. They might paint or they might doodle pictures. This past week, they ended up taking two of their junk drawers in their house (laughs) and using that time to clean them out. Of course, they found all kinds of stuff that they could talk about and why do we still have this and and all that. But every Monday night after the kids go to sleep, that's their time to be intentional, to be creative together. So I think you really need to strive for communication Whatever, whatever it takes. And so don't plop a movie in. Don't flip on Netflix. I think it's hard because if you do that, then you're just going to, you're not going to communicate. You're just going to stare at a screen and we stare at screens all day long. So look for ways to be intentional. Even like as you go to bed, doing nightly devotions together. I know that a sweet older couple at our church, Martha and Herb Searles, they still, to this day, do a devotion at night together. Mm. He's 90, she's 84, Mm. and she even made the comment to me a couple weeks ago, I need to get a new devotional book for couples because we're about done with this one. And I love that. I mean, they're, you know, in their twilight years, their children are old, old, you know, they're basically have been alone. I mean, they've Mm. been together. But it's a way for them to, you know, connect, communicate, and spend time with the Lord. And so, you know, strive for that, whatever it takes. It doesn't have to look like some picture-perfect Instagram date night. Um, I know, Heather, you shared about your sister and brother-in-law, what they used to do. Yeah, they, if I understand correctly, and Emily, if you're listening and I'm getting this wrong, I'm (laughs) sorry, but I believe they, for a while, when they... We were having trouble finding time to get date nights in, so they would go eat dinner in their car together and let the older kids watch the younger ones while they're watching movies or something. And then my sister and her husband would just go sit in the car and eat dinner together so they could have some quiet discussion. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good example of being creative to get a date night in. And so I think you have to work at battling loneliness, whether mm-hmm. you're married or single. I think you have to work to combat mm-hmm. that. So that, that's good if you have a good relationship or a semi-good relationship with your spouse. But what if you are in a situation where you may feel lonely because of a sin on your spouse's part or if there's abuse there? Mm-hmm. What do you advise that lonely person to do? Mm-hmm. I think first I would advise them and hope that they're involved in the local church. They may mm-hmm. or may not be. But I would say that if that lonely person, whichever spouse it is male or female if they see in their husband or wife that maybe there is a sin or they're not maybe their spouse is not a believer maybe they're experiencing abuse I think first and foremost being a part of a local church would help them to work through that Mm -hmm. and I think if there's abuse involved that's something that they should sit down and, and talk with a, a counselor at the church, a leader at the church, to determine how to work through that. Mm-hmm. Ideally, 
you would want both of them to, to go through some kind of counseling in, in hopes that it would unite them and, and get them through yeah. this difficult time. And I think that would be appropriate too if you're, it's not necessarily a, a serious situation in, in, a, in an abuse situation, but if you are in a marriage and your spouse stonewalls you or ignores you, um, which I guess that is a type of abuse. It's an mm-hmm. emotional abuse, but that's when you do need to reach out to people you know. And so, if you're not in a church, mm-hmm. first consider it. But yeah. if you're not in a church and that's not the route you want to go, you need to get help from someone. Don't allow yourself to get withdrawn, and don't get mixed with a bad crowd either. Mm-hmm. Like, oh well, well, my husband doesn't care about me, so I'm going to go party. Mm-hmm. So you have to to act responsibly in that but don't be afraid to ask for help if you feel like you're not able to connect with your spouse and especially if it's in a serious nature of a serious nature yes and I think if you're if you're in a in a relationship if you're in a marriage and you're dealing with abuse you're not really sure what to do and you're not involved in a local church I would I would highly encourage you to contact a local church and again, they can help you get resources, find ways. It's going to be a safe, safe space for you. And so that's that would be my recommendation mm-hmm. uh, because I think that would be the easiest for, not the easiest, but I think it would be the best route mm-hmm. and the safest route because the church is going to look out for the best interest of you right. and, and help reconcile your marriage because that loneliness and that abuse and other things that are going on is, is only going to lead to more division um, within your marriage. So we've talked about what it's like to have loneliness when you're alone and single. What is it like when you're married and you deal with loneliness? But what about times like we spoke about the recent isolation of the pandemic? How do you combat that loneliness and come out on the other side? Well, I will just speak from what I experienced. And my experience is probably similar to the majority of people is, you know, we were all fine and then all of a sudden in March of 2020 everything shut down the only place you could go was the gas station and the grocery store or the pharmacy (laughs) and then if you went to the store like I remember one time I went to Target to get something it was probably that April or something where everything was still shut down there's nothing to do and I went to Target to get something and I saw something that caught my eye and I was like I just want to walk around and you know, just kind of look around and enjoy. And But then I remember them saying on the news, you have to get in and get out, get what you need, don't linger. And how depressing that was because mm-hmm. you just wanted to get out and experience life and yes. interact mm-hmm. with people. I mean, even as an introvert, I think it got really hard because I got no human interaction at all. And I'm stored up all my energy from all my alone time. So now I'm ready to go interact and there's no one to interact with. So God forbid that another pandemic like that happens again. But if there's ever a time where you are, for whatever reason, and I'm going to let you speak to the health crisis (laughs) perspective. But if there's a reason why you are isolated, maybe you move to a new, new place and there aren't a lot of people around or something like that where you're not able to interact with people very easily. Not to let yourself fall into sinful patterns even down to simple things. Like I I know in April of 2020, there was nowhere to go, there's nothing to do. I got very lazy. It was very easy just to watch TV till two o'clock in the morning, watch Netflix Mm -hmm. till late at night, and then roll out of bed and work from home on my laptop and not get out of my pajamas till noon. 
Because there was nothing to do. There was nowhere to go. There was no reason to make an effort to get up and get ready <laughs> to go to work because you couldn't go to work. And I remember just being very depressed around April, May. I just felt yuck just because I had just allowed laziness and lack of discipline infiltrate. And if you struggle with sinful habits, that there could be a number of different things. I think when you're you're isolated. Even if you intentionally isolate yourself, that makes it even worse. Those sinful habits will, they will rear their ugly head Mm -hmm. and you have to be on guard. And I think when you're closed up by yourself, it's very easy to get yourself into trouble. All that to say, whatever connection you can have with other people, with other believers, it's very important that you have that. And we had it over Zoom. Our BFG tried to meet I think at least weekly. Was it weekly or every other week? About every other week. Yeah, yeah. we tried to do a Zoom session. And a lot of times it was just us checking on each other, just saying, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And in these days, you know, life is opening back up. COVID's not gone away, but people are getting back to normal. And I think we don't, we need to be careful not to discard those connections we made with people and to, to continue connecting with others. So we're not isolated and separated. So what was your experience? So you had a whole layer to that Mm -hmm. that most people didn't have, which you were in rehab at the time when the pandemic happened and you were recovering and unable to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden March comes and you have no visitors Yeah, and you're by yourself in a rehab facility with medical personnel and scary people down the hallway. Yes. So I, had gone into rehab the end of November of 2019 and was bedridden and it was great because our ladies class or BFG just so you all know that stands for Bible Fellowship Group mm-hmm. it's our ladies class at our church think of it like Sunday school but yeah, yeah. but our class was so great that they had set up for somebody to visit me every day during the week different people would volunteer to come and it was wonderful because I couldn't literally couldn't get out of bed so we heard about this big thing called coronavirus in the beginning of March it hit and the facility where I stayed did a lockdown and at that point I couldn't have any visitors at all in fact anything people dropped off had to sit because at that time we weren't sure how COVID was being spread so it had to sit in a holding facility Mm. outside of the building for three days to make sure the COVID was gone before it came (laughs) in so I couldn't really even get anything from anybody and it was really difficult because the staff was just they were beside themselves because every day a new rule would come about. They were dealing with that. Then, of course, you had people that were calling in because they didn't want to work or other people that were carrying double shifts. And so a lot of times the nursing staff, whether that be the nurses or the aides, would come in my room and like just sort of vent and let it all out. Mm -hmm. And the other bad thing was that we had been keeping a a candy bowl filled for the staff. And of course, since nobody could come and nobody could really drop much off, that went down to nothing. And so I didn't Mm -hmm. even have treats for my staff. But it was really difficult because I left to go have surgery the end of March of 2020, but then went right back to rehab and was there until May when I came home. But I did all of my rehab, basically learning how to walk all over again with a mask and mm-hmm. with all sorts of protocols. I had to be moved different in different rooms because of COVID. They 
had to develop, create a COVID wing. And mm. it was just, it was a lot. There was just a, a lot we had to deal with. And it was really then when I talked earlier about how we were created for community, it was yeah. then that I really realized, like Heather, I'm, I'm somewhat of an introvert, but I craved it. And even when I came mm. home in May of 2020, I had people coming, bringing meals and things. And I mm-hmm. couldn't wait for people to come. And people that would come and eat with me and spend time with me was such a blessing because I just was craving to have that interaction that I hadn't had for months. And so when I think about this kind of circumstance that causes loneliness, which is being isolated, it was not our choice in the middle of COVID. But I think we've got to remember that at some point in our lives, we're probably going to be in that circumstance again. It may not be because of a pandemic, but it may be because of a sickness or an illness. Mm -hmm. Maybe because, you know, as we come to the final not to be morbid but when come to the end of our life and we're like the world war ii vet that you Mm -hmm. you visit Mm -hmm. you know he's pretty much at 97 doesn't have many friends left Mm -hmm. if any and so he's alone a lot of the time so when he said to you that day you know i'm just a lonely old man Mm -hmm. i mean when you get the older you get the more isolated i think you become not necessarily out of your own choice but because he's not maybe physically or people aren't physically able in yeah. their 80s and 90s to do as much as they did before. So understanding how do we how do we do that? And a lot of what I did during that time is I would text. And even when I came home, once we began to open up at church more and we had new mm-hmm. people joining our ladies class and I didn't know who they were. And I, you know, I would just see them on Zoom calls. I would reach out to them and text them and yeah. tell them I'm praying for them just so that I could make a connection with people because I craved it. And now, even now, when I've been back to church, I think I went back like Memorial Day weekend. I just literally can't wait to go to church on Sunday, to Mm -hmm. go to church on Wednesday night, just because of the uh, the interaction I can have with people. So I think that it's something that even though this is a pandemic thing we think about, we are going to deal with isolation in our lives at some point if we live Mm -hmm. long enough. We are likely to experience Mm -hmm. it, even if it's not because of a pandemic. Yeah. And if you are isolated, just pray that the Lord will bring people into your life, not just to keep you company, but people that you may not have noticed who are really lonely themselves. And like we've been saying, that's what draws you out. Rose, your your whole situation really inspired a lot of us. Just the fact that you you stayed connected with us even though you were physically isolated here at home mm-hmm. and not able to get out and interact with us. So the whole point of what we're saying here is that loneliness in itself is not a sin. Yes. It can lead to sin. Yes. And you have to be very careful about that. But it's also, it becomes a sin if you focus on yourself constantly. Mm-hmm. And that's actually really depressing. As someone who, that's a lot of what I did was focus on myself, my situation, my circumstances. Ugh, that was depressing. Mm-hmm. I mean... I didn't really want to think about all the issues I was going through and, and being there alone. And it is, it, I realized through that season of life that focusing on myself is very depressing. Yeah. And I would much rather be, I was in a much better place when I was reaching out to other people. So to wrap up this segment, the key to fighting loneliness from a general perspective is that we are to no longer navel gaze. No more navel gazing. No more navel gazing. Looking for people that need friends, looking for ways to invest in others, 
remembering that if you are lonely, it's okay. It's not sinful, um, but there are ways to get out of it. And there's, there's ways to move forward. But remembering that loneliness can become a sin if you allow it to, to have a foothold. The key to battling loneliness is to focus your heart on Jesus and letting him fill that void and then praying that he will bring the correct relationships into your life to help you to grow through it. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, I want to read Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay, Rose, well, now it's time to move on to our next topic for today, our one random thought. <laughs> okay. Ricky, Ricky, sa- Ricky says it's Ricky time for that one. Ricky said it's time for that one random, random thought. Random thought. So my one random thought come from the words of that famous donkey Eeyore, <laughs> which I'll try to do my best Eeyore impression. Thanks for noticing me. <laughs> So one random thought is thanks for noticing me. My one random thought is about donkeys. Like what Eeyore is a donkey. Mm -hmm. So the United States has never lost a war where donkeys were used. That is pretty cool. That is cool. They've long been used as pack animals and for draft work like in agriculture and more. But these days, some folks are really finding out that the donkey's intelligence and attentiveness are making them very suitable for pasture pets like guardians of livestock and sometimes even as a companion for horses. They're obviously good for war since we've never lost a war where donkeys were used. So... They're pretty smart animals, too. Well, on that note, my great-uncle fought in World War II in Italy, and he led mule trains through the mountains of Italy. There you go. With the army. Mm -hmm. With the donkeys. Yes. So, Eeyore being a donkey is very happy that we notice that donkeys are worth, worth, very, have a much good worth when it comes to wars and pasture animal guidance. (sighs) So, Heather, what's our one Ricky thought for today? My one Ricky thought today is do not be intimidated by the superstars. Hmm, do not be intimidated by the superstars. (laughs) Isn't that intriguing? That is intriguing. (laughs) All right, well, if you listened last time, I told you about this cat named Zorro who was a very ambitious cat who got through grade two of cat school and then moved to grade three of cat school and passed it within a week, which is to me ludicrous. insane. That it's is ludicrous. Insane. It's not possible. Well, now enters a cat named Maxwell, <laughs> <laughs> who, like I said, if you listen last week, I said this cat school that I have joined is, and it's on a social network on the Mighty Networks. It's an app, and people post pictures of their cats and videos, and they ask for help and all that kind of thing. Well, this lady joined the other day with her cat named Maxwell and she posts an Instagram reel. Maxwell is highly trained. (laughs) (laughs) And it's to the point it's over the top. 
this owner, she watched the videos on YouTube because the cat school, you can, you can pay to take the classes where the teacher gives you attention, or you can just watch the videos for free on YouTube. So heads up, if you have a cat and you want to train them, but you don't want to subscribe to cat school, you can watch it on YouTube. It's cat school is the channel. We'll link that in. Yes. We'll link that in there. So she had trained him on YouTube by watching the YouTube videos and she got the clicker and she trained him. And so that's how he knows how to do everything. And now she's decided to join the official course. (laughs) (laughs) And I watched this cat's Instagram and he's doing all kinds of stuff, like jumping through arm hoops. Like she's got her her arms up in a hoop uh, shape and he jumps through her arms. He high fives. He goes on, he goes on walks with her. Mm. All of these things. He wears bow ties. He's very, very well behaved. He sits up straight. Like he'll sit up on his hind legs and it's like Maxwell go to the head of the class. But I'd, I'm like, why are you here? <laughs> why do you need to be in cat school? And maybe there's some things he doesn't learn that he's going to pick up at cat school. I don't know. I'm really interested to see. Um, but poor little Ricky. He's really... <laughs> poor little remedial Ricky. <laughs> he's working on it. Um, we are on blanket training, which is teaching the cat to walk to a blanket, park it on the blanket, so you'll see the blanket. If you lay it out, he'll say, okay, that's where I need to be. And he'll go to the blanket and sit on it. So we're working through that and I'm having some challenges. But let me tell you folks, Cat School has been the best subscription service I have ever paid for. Wow, that's high price. It's only $25 a month. And at first I was kind of like, do I really want to spend this kind of money on training my cat? Which just seems ridiculous to me. But it's been great because the teacher, she's very interactive with the students. So if you post a question, she responds within a few hours. And I posted um, on one of the lessons, I posted a question that I needed help with this blanket training. And I posted a video. I showed her what I was doing. And I said, I'm not sure what's going on here. I'm having trouble getting him to walk on the blanket. He's walking around it. She posted a response with a video critique, she actually watched my video and then did a screen recording and commented on Wow. The video. That's hot customer service. Yes. And she said, right here, we're, we're doing this. You need to actually do this and make it more effective. This, if you do this with him, it'll work better. And so I was very highly impressed. And so I'm very glad that I'm doing this. So I would just say, if you have a cat... Look her up on YouTube. It's named Cat School. Her name is Julie. I forget her last name. I'll look it up. We can put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll link. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but she, um, it's just that's been impressive. very helpful. I'm very glad I'm doing it. And if, if you have a cat that's just a little crazy or doesn't let you sleep at night, <laughs> she gives you some practical tips for that and ways to get the cat in a better routine. So, really good. That's great. Yeah. Now, if we could just keep Maxwell at bay, then. Oh, Maxwell. I'm afraid who's going to join next. Is it going to be like a... Garfield? I don't know. A cat that sits at the dinner table and talks. All right. So now it's time for one single question of the day, Rose. So today's one single question related to our topic of no more navel gazing is name a time when you invested in someone and what was the outcome? So Heather, what was the time you invested in somebody and what was the outcome of that? There's been a lot of times like that. I think the one that was most obvious is the one I just shared about my World War II veteran friend. Mm-hmm. Several years ago, which was many, many years ago, I was in seminary. There was a man in my class. He was Korean. 
didn't speak English very well, but he asked me if I would be willing to help his son. I forget how old he was. He was like nine or 10 years old. And he was having, he spoke English really well. The little boy did, um, but he was just having some trouble with grammar. And so he asked me if I would be willing to come over and help his son after school and just help him learn English a little bit better. And so I did that. I I forget how long. It it wasn't very long, but the little boy ended up getting sick. And so he went to the hospital. He was admitted to the hospital. And I went to, they had told me they canceled our tutoring sessions. And so I knew he was ill. And so Mm -hmm. I went to go visit him at the hospital one afternoon. And when I got there, I went to his hospital room and the dad opened the door and he had this sullen look on his face, like this really sad look on his face. And so I said, is this a bad time? Should I come back later? And he said, yeah, it's a bad time. And so I was turning around to leave and he's like, no, no, come in. Mm. And so he misunderstood me. He was right. he's like, no, yeah, this is literally a bad time. Yeah. And what had happened was they had just received a cancer diagnosis for wow. this little boy. Mm. And he, he was really sick and the doctor had given them several pages of a medical document explaining his condition. I forget what kind of cancer it was now, but they told them to look through it. And if you have questions, let me know. The problem was they didn't speak English very mm. well. That was, you know, we, the the father was in seminary, so he could kind of, you know, he could get through, but he, he really struggled with some of the big words. And I looked at the document, and I was like, I have no idea what this is talking about because it was a lot of medical jargon. Mm. And so I don't remember much else about that time that day, but I do remember, you know, I was trying to, like, what do I do? What do I say to them? And so I said, well, can I pray for you? And they said, yeah. And I was thinking, like, I'll go home and pray for you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be praying for you, that kind of thing. But because we had a language barrier there, they wanted me to pray right right mm. that moment. And so I prayed. You know, I, I held this little boy's hand, and I mm. prayed as a, as a little group. And then I went home, and I think, you know, eventually he got better. And I think I looked him up. Actually, I Facebook stalked him. <laughs> and he is, he survived. He's He's doing good, and um, last I looked, he was on Facebook like earlier this year, so I think he's hopefully still doing good. But several months after that incident, I got a thank you note from the mother, I believe, or it might have been from, from both parents. But basically it said, and it was so sweet because it was in broken English when they wrote it, but it was basically like you showed up at the worst possible moment, and it was right what we needed you. Wow. But anyway, that was just a time when I was able to invest in someone and really be used by the Lord to bless someone. And I had no clue. I'm just like, I'm just going to visit this little boy. I think I brought him a game or something. And God used that moment to allow me to bless someone else. And there's been other times like that in my life where I'm just living my life and doing whatever. And you see someone in need and you're able to reach out and it turns out to be that you go visit a, an old man every week for mm-hmm. a, two years. There's always those insta- instances happening and you just have to be looking for them mm-hmm. and praying that God will bring those people across your path. So Rose, what about you? So I, when I managed a team uh, right before I got sick, I managed a team of great, great employees. And I was I was the type of manager that I, and I've talked about this on our episode on corporate America, but I tried to manage the whole person because I know the whole person is what's doing the job without getting in their business. The part of management that I loved was the part most people hate, which is the mm. people part. 
Mm-hmm. And I loved that part. And so I was, I tried to be very intentional to meet one-on-one with each person on my team on a regular basis. And um, I had an employee that uh, she was excellent at what she did. And I had hired her right out of college. She was, seemed really sharp and she had been working for me since she graduated college. Mm. And when we had a one-on-one, the last one-on-one we had before I got sick, I kind of observed her, and I knew she really wanted to grow in the company, and Mm -hmm. I had gone to bat a lot of times to help her and help Mm -hmm. the company see her value, because sometimes that wasn't always as evident, and so our last one-on-one, I I decided to get somewhat personal, I guess, in her business a little bit, (laughs) but I had observed some things over the past year that led me to to understand some of her upbringing and things that were impacting her negatively Mm -hmm. from that. And so I asked her just straight up some pretty personal questions. I said, mm-hmm. look, I need to ask. I said, I want to ask these and you don't have to answer. You don't want to. But can you tell me, is, is this the case? Mm-hmm. And I asked her three questions. And each time I did, she was affirmative. And yes, they were. And she started to cry. And, you know, we talked through things. And I really tried to encourage her that you don't have to let your past define you today. Mm-hmm. You can work through that and and I explained to her about different things that were impeding her from growing as in into a manager type position for one not being sassy in the wrong times and and just wanted her to have instead of being so defensive on on issues but just to be confident and and really just knowing how to nuance conversations and not Mm -hmm. stepping into situations unprepared or just off the fly she managed a very large account with a sales rep who they both managed it, but honestly, she probably did the, the majority of the heavy lifting for that account. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really went to bat with her with other people because I saw a potential in her. I just needed her to see it and I needed her to know how to, to portray herself and how to present herself, how to carry herself in order for that to be seen. Well, so as the story goes, I got sick in November 2019 and, yeah. and was gone. And so during that pandemic time in April, actually, of 2020, she sent me a really long email. And she said she had decided to, because the, the last year had been difficult personally for her, that she had decided to take a course, an online course on well-being. And she would get a certificate at the end. And there were mm-hmm. different assignments that she had to do. And this, this assignment was on gratitude and she was told that she needed to either FaceTime or face-to-face tell someone in her life how much they meant to her and so she goes but I'm not really good at that so this is baby steps I'm leaving you a really long email and so she outlined this really long email on from back when I hired her to you know why she stayed our company as I mentioned in a couple of previous episodes that my division was sold and was acquired by a different company and she's still with that company and they had asked her why did you stay at the other you know at this job when you weren't happy yeah and she said it was because of you and she you know talked a lot about she never forget forgot that last one-on-one we had and the impact it had on her and she really outlined a lot of things I had forgotten Mm -hmm. Um, but she said you know you always went to bat for me you always helped me you were honest with me and it's quite honestly that 
I read that while I was bedridden in April of 2020, obviously in the midst of the pandemic when yeah. I had nobody around. And it literally, I cried because it was, mm. it was exactly what I needed at that yeah. moment. And I mean, she, I don't know if she listens to the podcast or not. If she does, she'll know it's her, but I'm not mentioning names, but she'll never know how much that really meant to me. I missed working and missed being with that team so desperately. And that was such an affirmation mm-hmm. to me. And so all the times that I, I invested in her was worth it mm-hmm. for that to happen. Yeah. So it definitely pays to invest in other people. And I hope no matter where God takes me from here, mm. that I'm investing in people. Because yeah. that's the most gratifying thing ever. And it's pretty cool when you don't realize you're investing in it. Because mm-hmm. you're investing in someone because you're so, it's just such a part of your life. And mm-hmm. you don't realize the difference you make on people until they come back and tell you mm-hmm. that's pretty cool when that happens yeah. well before we wrap it up today i want to give a shout out to matthew waldrop who <laughs> provided us a topic suggestion that we're not going to do but we're going to lay it out good there try. for you all good try matthew the topic suggestion was medea heretic or misguided believer <laughs> so heather and i had a short conversation and we kind of landed on mm, she could be both yeah <laughs> i don't know enough i've only seen like one or two of her movies to know she's pretty doggone funny i will give you to that. have it to have an opinion yes <laughs> she's very very funny i love medea or it's really tyler perry playing medea but that was his feeble attempt at trying to give us a topic but sorry matthew <laughs> we're not going down that road <laughs> okay that's this episode of one single thought for today in two weeks we're going to take a listener suggestion and Look at singleness, which, I mean, that's an elephant in the room with the two of us because we're single. We probably should have addressed that in the first <laughs> In episode. one of the first episodes. <laughs> we're going to talk about singleness, what it means to be single, which, I mean, yeah, it means you're not married, but there's more to it. And then also what it means to be single. How should you act as a single person, especially a Christian single person. And then also how about married people and how should they interact with single people? Because that's the question the person sent in was, how should a married person speak to a single person about marriage or single concerns, singleness concerns? So those are some things we're going to talk about in two weeks on September 13th. So we got a lot to say, a lot to say on that topic. So we're excited to share our brains with you (laughs) yes probably one of the topics we know the most about i suppose well also a little teaser for those that have stayed to the end of the episode (laughs) our hope going forward is that we would begin to have a rhythm where we would alternate between a deep dive into a passage of scripture some sort of biblical story or narrative that we would deep dive into which has kind of been our rhythm so far and then going into a topic we're going to kind of what stray from that a little bit because we've Mm -hmm. done today's episode on loneliness then we're going to do one on singleness and so we've got some other episodes that are coming that won't be a deep dive necessarily into a biblical passage but we're going to try to to change our rhythm so -hmm. that that's the way it's going to be and then another thing that we are thinking and praying about right now is hopefully taking uh, this one single thought to a weekly broadcast, which frightens the both yes. of us. But we're talking through it, but you'll get a heads up. It's coming. It's coming. We just got to figure out life schedules and that yes. kind of thing. We have to figure it out because it does take a lot to plan and do a podcast from planning it to 
recording it, editing it, getting it ready for publication. So uh, we just need to figure out what direction we're going to take and when we're going to make that flip. But somewhere down the line, we will eventually move to weekly broadcast. A few of our listeners have expressed an interest in that. And mm-hmm. so we hear you. And we are going to do our best to see how we can make that work. So you can be in prayer with us. Over I am scared and excited. That's right. <laughs> Much like me, who is going to be going for my first test fitting on my prosthetic Yay. next Friday. Uh, I am also scared and excited. <laughs> so there's a lot of scared and excited going on in this studio wick today. But we're having fun. We're having a lot having of fun. fun. We love this. So until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 